If you're a fan of the hit show, So You Think You Can Dance, you probably feel like I do, like you have a true friend in the show's host, Kat Dealey. Kat has been in the entertainment industry for many years, first with MTV and now with So You Think You Can Dance. But she also has another very important side of her private life, and that's her role as a mother. Kat recently wrote a beautiful children's book inspired by her two little boys called The Joy in You. And today I had the pleasure of sitting down with her to talk all about her inspiration behind the book and her ups and downs as a mother. We talk about her advice to new mothers and where she finds balance in motherhood and career and how she builds confidence in her children and what she's doing to keep herself and her children happy and feeling loved during all the chaos in the world right now. So thrilled today to have Kat Dealey with me, who already feels like my new best friend. She's drinking a Diet Coke and telling me all the wonderful things about motherhood, and I cannot wait to just have this chat with you today. So say hi, Kat. Hello there. I'm so pleased to talk to you too. It's evening time in London. What time is it with you there? 9.42 a.m. In the morning. So we've got this weird kind of transatlantic thing going on. But there is definitely an instantaneous connection. You're hidden yes. in your closet recording yes. this, and I'm hidden away in my bedroom, and we've both got our kind of 45 minutes of peace. Yes, it's <laughs> going to be wonderful. I just can't wait. It's already, I kept telling her, okay, wait, don't say any more wonderful <laughs> things. I have to record this because our pre conversation was so lovely. So, Whoa. Kat, if for anyone who might not, know who you are. And I mm-hmm. feel like you've been a friend to me for years from watching you on TV, but tell everyone who you are and what you're about. Okay. So I'm, to give me my full name, my my mother clearly had delusions of grandeur because I am the same as Catherine and Elizabeth Middleton. I'm Catherine Elizabeth Dealey. So clearly my mom really wanted me to marry Prince William. Clearly that yes. was what she was aiming for. It didn't quite work out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, And I have been hosting TV shows now for, for, um, well, I'm 43, so probably for about 25 years, something like that. So I started on MTV and then went on from there, really. And I moved to the States about uh, 12 years ago to host a show called So You Think You Can Dance. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love it. It's it's everything I love in one show. It's about um, celebrating people's talent and passion and the fact that it doesn't matter, which I think is, a, is an amazing American thing. The American dream is incredible. The, the, the thing that you can, you can come from anywhere, but if you have a talent and a passion and you're ready to work hard, you can be anything you want to be. And I think even living in this crazy climate right now with, you know, global pandemics and unrest and just so much turmoil in the world, I think it's really important to remember that actually you you can. And I've seen kids, I always call them kids on the show because they're so much younger than me now, but I've always seen dancers come on the show and, you know, sometimes you can't believe the stories that people tell you and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, as a human being, how can you possibly come out the other side of whatever's happened in their life, like really traumatic events or situations. And not only do they come out the other side in one piece, 
but they also come out with like this crazy talent that they it's almost like they focus in on on that and that's what they do and and so that for me was what that show was all about it was celebrating it's unashamedly a reality show but also it's very much celebrating people's talent and so I think well, we were about to do season 17 on Fox, but of course COVID hit. Right. And we, we have to do auditions. So we don't have a cast or a crew that we can isolate. We need right. people to go. So we're not going to do it this year. I don't know if it will come back or it won't. I don't know. I've got to wait and see. But it, it's a great show. Oh my goodness, it's a great show. It really is so uplifting, so fun to watch. I've enjoyed that so much each summer. It's like the show that keeps me going while all the other shows are on pause. Yeah, it's really sweet. And, you know, that's exactly it. When you said in the beginning, I feel like you're my friend. And I I actually take that responsibility quite seriously. Like, I'm really pleased that people invite us into their living room every week. And it's really important. It's a, it's a very special thing. It is incredibly intimate, actually. You know, it's not like yes. you you invite somebody into your living room and it's, and it's my job to give a little bit of entertainment and make people smile and sometimes make mistakes and, and you know, handle it all with a little bit of self-deprecation. And I think it's quite an important, and particularly in times like this where people can't go out and they can't do, and they're looking for things to do with their family, you know. Yes. Well, that's that's the next show that I need to go back and re-binge is watch some old seasons of So You Think You Can yeah. Dance because it really is so it's uplifting true. and you do a beautiful job, you know, encouraging and, and keeping everything flowing. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but I really want to talk about the children's book you just wrote. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I actually pinch me because I can't actually believe it's happened for real. So when I was uh, when I was studying, when I was at school, my favourite subject was always English literature. I had an amazing teacher. You know, one of those, everybody's got them in their life where it's, it's like, oh my goodness, you changed my life. You were brilliant. And they just yes. have this thing where they can, they're teaching you and it doesn't matter what the subject is, but they hold you and you were so invested and I remember he would talk to us about all different poetry and prose and all different things. And we'd sit there and you'd almost forget to blink. You were so in the moment. Yes. And when you did, you feel like tears coming down because you just not blinked for so long because she was so into it and so and concentrating so much. I would always, if I'd gone to university, I would have always studied English literature, I think. But I didn't go. I, I ended up... Um, taking a year out and then I got my job on MTV and that was life kind of took over but it was always something I wanted to do and I knew it was something really I mean it's a love letter to my boys it's like any other mum at the end of the day I feel completely frazzled Um, you're worn out you're you're tired you've kind of managed to get everybody fed and watered they're in they've been in the bath they smell delicious you're kind of cuddling up for bedtime. But at that moment, at that moment in time, I'm probably at my most inarticulate because I'm yes. so exhausted by the end of the day, like any so other mom. And, 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 and I can't quite find the, I know what I want to say, but I can't find the words that I want to say or, or find an eloquent way of saying them. 
And so I wanted to write a book that was kind of that and said everything that I wanted to say to them and opened up discussions. And the book is, it's a collection of thoughts and feelings and ideas and moments. And then the the top and tail of the book is kind of top and tail by love, quite intimate, almost like how you're telling your bedtime story. And that was the idea, really. I, I just, I think all parents want the same things for their children. They, no matter who you are or what your background is, we all want them to be happy and we yes. all want them to be kind. And, so true. That, and, that, and that's really it. And so I think the more you can talk to them about ideas and feelings and make sure that anything is kind of open for discussion within reason, obviously, depending on age groups and things like that. I think children are really, really resilient. And I think all they really want to do is spend time with you. And they want to know that they want to know the truth. Now, the version of the truth you give them depends on the age that they are. But I, I feel like you can pretty much tell them anything. It's the unknown that they fear. If you yes. don't talk to them, and you don't speak to them about things, they, it becomes the bogeyman under the bed. You know what totally. I mean? That the, the, It's the thing that they can't see and they don't know, but they've got this feeling and they get it from us. And so I think the more we can be open and the more we can talk about things, the more it then allows them to be empathetic with other people too. And the more it allows them to reach their full potential as an adult. I so agree with that. And I think think there is so much Yeah, so much of that fear of the unknown and fear of what's going on and what are the grownups all talking about. And there's so much of that right now in our world. So I completely agree with you that, you know, talking to them about feelings and about things that you address in your book, in your children's book, are exactly what they need to feel safe and comfort and all of those things. Yeah. And I think just with reading my own boys, it just sets a nice tone before they go to sleep at night. After Mm -hmm. I finished reading it with Milo, he said to me, he said to me, mom, so I love you. And I love dad. And I love James. I love you all so much. And I just thought, what a lovely feeling for him to, when he closes his eyes then to go to sleep, it's such a nice feeling to have before he goes to sleep. And then you know, the next morning we're rushing to, you know, get ready for school and eating breakfast and going to football club and doing it, you know, and we've got to do all that. But just before he goes to bed, I think that's such a lovely feeling. I mean, don't get me wrong. He doesn't say that all the time. I've got a four-year-old. So (laughs) you know what it's like. Having a four-year-old is a bit like dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. You know what I mean? It's a bit like sometimes he is sweetness and light Mm-hmm. And sometimes out of nowhere, he he become it's like Jekyll and Hyde a little bit. Totally. So what I read the book to him and he said to me, um, he questioned me afterwards. I've finished the book and I said, he said to mom, and I said, Yes, Milo. He said, um, you say in this book I can do anything. And I said, Yes, Milo, you can, you can, you can, you can do anything. If you put your mind to it and you work really hard, you can do anything. And he said, well, that's not true. And I said, right, okay, so tell me, what, 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 what do you want to do? He said, well, 
He said, I'd like to bring a koala home from the zoo and have him as a pet. Can't do that, can I? <laughs> Four-year-old. <laughs> and I said, you know what, Milo? No, you're, you're absolutely right. You absolutely cannot do that. Thinking to myself, oh, my God, I could never give him a backpack in the zoo just in case he gets <laughs> to pop one in. I said, no, no, no. I said, <laughs> I said no, Milo, you absolutely can't do that. I said, but what you can do, I said, is if you work really hard and you study science and maybe biology, I said, you could study then about animals and you could become a zoologist. I said, and then you could be in charge of all the koalas in the zoo, or you could even travel to Australia, which is where all the koalas are from, and you could rescue them. There's been fires. You could go and help every koala in the whole of Australia if you work hard and that's what you want to do and he thought you know how they think and it just goes quiet and you can almost you can almost see the the brain turning yes went, okay okay yes okay fine yeah <laughs> I love that example I love that and I feel like the your book really lens toward that creative thinking and tell me why you're so passionate about art and creative expression with building confidence in children because I really feel like that's such a central theme of what you're teaching in this children's book yeah I mean listen when you say teaching that makes me feel incredibly proud but I I don't I'm just going on my experience and I I just think that we're all meddling through, right? We're just kind of mm-hmm. trying to make it work. And I'm, you know, I'm reading blogs and books and, and just trying to understand the best way to make them, you know, as fully rounded as I can. But for me, it's always that thing of, I don't know, um, what if Stevie Wonder had never played a piano? Yeah. What if Tiger Woods had never picked up a set of golf clubs? What if Picasso had never, like all these, and the, and there are undoubtedly, it gives me chills a little bit that mm-hmm. you're talking about it, but there are, there are people out there that haven't, haven't reached their full potential because they just haven't been exposed to it. Right. So I think for me anyway, one of the things that's really important is just to let them try everything, throw everything at them. It's to see what they like, how they move, how they feel, what they say, how their face is, how they light up, how they don't, how they don't like it. I mean, they're not going to like everything. But I just feel it's so important to let them try everything and, and just experiment and see who they are because I feel like the little neurons in their brain are are so receptive to everything right now and it's like a little tree that grows inside their brain and any way you can spark that tree at all the branches come off it and I feel like I just think the the more they can try and the more they can do the, the the better it is for them yes I so agree with that and it it is hard to know, okay, are you going to like this? Are you going to like that? And I feel like as a first-time mom, I had no idea what to channel my kids' energy into. And it feels like, you know, there's just so many different possibilities. So how did you choose? I saw yesterday that you were calling yourself 
a football mom, right, on Instagram, um, which <laughs> here would be like a soccer mom. Yeah. So where did you, how did you decide a as a mother? mom, yeah. Like what to even start them in or where, where to even begin? Listen, my whole thing with this was Milo is not the greatest football player in any way, shape or form. Um, he loves dinosaurs. He loves animals. But he's been off school for six months. He's four years old. And there were loads of um, boys out of his class that were doing the same thing. So I thought they start on the 3rd of September. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, if I can get him together with his friends and they can just kick a ball around, that's great. So it's really not, it's really not that's it. I'm not like saying he's the next David Beckham at all. (laughs) You never know. Any stretch of the imagination. But it's just nice. You never know. But it's just nice for him to hang out with kids his own age. Because I think that's been really, I think that's been one of the hardest things about the pandemic, actually. I've I've really enjoyed having my kids at home. For me, it's been a real luxury actually Mm -hmm. one that I don't normally get because normally if you're at home you feel guilty about work and then if you're at work you feel guilty about your children so it's really hard I think for women at the moment but I feel because of the pandemic I'm all bets are off essentially so I've just had this lovely time with them and I'm really lucky because they're four and two, so I'm not having to teach them algebra or Latin. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the chance to teach Milo how to read. And like James is doing these, all these really, he's gabbling the whole time at the moment. He's doing, you know, they do the F, the F sound for the S. Yes. So it's like, mum, dinosaur rap. Do some dinosaur rap, mum. Do some dinosaur. And it's like, <laughs> I get to see all these things that I would never normally it's so cute. I love it. Like I'm cultivating, I'm almost cultivating them. So I've been really lucky in the fact that I've got to hang out with them at home. But I think for them, it's, it's tricky. We've, we've now been off school here in the UK for six months, which is a long time. If you think about a four-year-old and you mm-hmm. think about the length of his life, six months is actually a really long time to be off school. Yes, And so it was just nice to get them back. And um, so I love seeing, there's nothing nicer, I think, than hearing um, children laughing and playing. It's one of my favorite sounds in the world. Like just that kind of giggling and running and screaming and shouting. I I love, it's like babble, but it's joyful babble, you know? Yes, it really is. And I, I agree. My kids are doing school for the first time since, I mean, I guess they, they finished out the school year on Zoom and they're back on Zoom again doing school and they're just craving interaction with other children. And and I'm like, what you said earlier to you yeah. about resiliency, I really worried about how they would deal with school through a computer. And I've just been amazed how resilient my children have been. Yeah. Just taking what's offered to them and running with it and doing making the best of it because they really are so much more resilient than adults who have figured out how to complain about everything that, you know, they just are very accepting of whatever's and offered. Also, to them. I mean, yeah, totally. And I have to say here, you know, we've had amazing teachers that have, have kind of, I mean, we have to kind of throw our hands up and say, 
you know, they've been incredible. They've thought outside the box. They've thought of how to interact with them through a screen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a different, it's it's the new normal that we're all learning how to do, to, talking like this, you know, failing, children learning through a computer. It can be done, but, you, you know, everybody just has to approach it in a way where we're all trying to make it work. Right. Um, but we've had some incredible teachers who, so, because there's so much more work involved, you know, each, each individual working through a screen and then putting things on their journal and then the teachers working through it. So hats off to them. They've been, yeah. they've been incredible. I want to ask you about something you mentioned just a minute ago about what life typically looks like for you as a mom. And it's been such a luxury for you to have your kids at home. How have you sorted through being a working mom and any of those, like, have you had mom guilt and how do you work through that? And how, what has that experience like been for you? I think it's taking those moments that you do succeed and kind of reveling in it a little bit and, and patting yourself on the back. I think we need to do that a little more and go, you know what, actually, that was a good job. Well done. Yes. You did good there. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are loads of things that I I wish had gone better or I'd done differently. But the, but the idea is that you learn from them and what doesn't. And, you know, that even goes back to kids trying stuff. If, even if they don't like it, I feel like they learn life skills by not liking something. Totally. And either working through it and finding the thing they like or really not liking it, but then being able to express that they don't like. I think there's, I think there's, you can't just look at things and go, oh, well, that didn't work. That's negative and that's positive. I think there's so much gray in everything. And I think that it's about picking your battles. And I think it's about not being too hard on yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful advice. I agree. You you just have to take each day, like one day at a time and say, I did my best. And I loved too, I saw that you said you were in your pajamas at um, 6.54 p.m. yesterday. And I said to myself, yes, I, well, I mean, let's be honest, I'm in my pajamas and it's 10 o'clock in the morning here. So you're just, and we had a little pre-recording I mean, discussion. Do you actually look, we did, but you actually look very glamorous because oh. your thing. Because I was like, no, you've combed your hair, and you're like, no, I haven't. I've just got headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't comb. It's normally like in a mom bun with a scrunchie on the top. But yes, I made that decision very early on with my second baby. So with my first baby, everything I knew exactly the way it was before, and I would be able mm-hmm. to get stuff done, and I'd be able to go to work and do my thing, and I would also have my little boy too Mm -hmm. and I think I almost put a bit too much pressure on myself and so with my second child a good friend of mine said you know what sleep pajamas all day if you want to and I went you know what I I can't there'll never be a greater reason on earth Mm -hmm. than after you've just had a baby to stay in your pajamas all day like you know if you're breastfeeding or pumping or whatever you would do like there's never a greater and they love the smell of you like they mm-hmm. prefer you when you're a bit old bit stinky they don't want you kind of all fragrance fresh out of the bath and germ alone and so it's like 
there's never a greater time in your life to stay in your pajamas all day. So with my second baby, I absolutely reveled in it. And so Mm -hmm. I fully embraced my inner Hugh Hefner. (laughs) So I've gone kind of fabulous silk pajamas. (laughs) So even when... Even when the doorbell rings at 6.54 at night and I'm exhausted, I put them on and I kind of feel, I don't want to say I feel like you have now, obviously, but you, you get where I'm going with it. I, yes. And yeah, I don't have any makeup on. And I have a t- terrible mom bun and I probably look very tired and don't have my concealer in my eyes, but my pajamas happy. That's, I love that. I am all about that life too. I totally support that, agree with it. I want to go back to So You Think You Can Dance for just a moment and talk about what lessons you learned mm-hmm. in having mm-hmm. to encourage these young people when they were putting themselves out there in front of millions of people and they're failing and sometimes they're thriving. And how? what did you learn about supporting people in their successes and in their failures? Because you did that so beautifully as the host and still will continue to do. You know what? First thing is I really like dancers. And the reason I like dancers is not because I was one myself at any stage in proceedings, but a dancer's life is very strange. If you actually look at a dancer, quite often they are the backup person. They're the person that that supports the main performer. Mm-hmm. Um, they are normally a short career span because obviously their bodies, as you get older, you can't dance as much. They're constantly injured. For example, if I said to you, name me 10 famous dancers, you could, but you'd have to think about it, right? If I said, It would be hard without, so you you think you can dance. In a second, (laughs) right? And so the only reason that they do what they do is because they love it so much that they can't imagine their lives not doing it. And there's something absolutely wonderful about that in this world that we live in with, with social media and reality stars and the reason for them to do what they do other than the the fact that they can't imagine their life not doing it. And that to me was very, very inspiring. And so it made hosting the show and talking to them about, you know, when things go right or when things go wrong, or it made it so easy for me mm-hmm. because I absolutely felt everything with them. And there was a real truth to why they were doing it no one becomes a dancer to become rich and famous they Mm -hmm. do it because they can't imagine not doing it which is a lovely that's a lovely thing that you can talk to people and you can find out their life stories and and how they become the people that they become and I think also with dancers they work so hard like I've seen dancers dance on broken ankles and split toes and it's almost they 
I don't know whether it's adrenaline or just that they love it so much, whatever it is. Well, I see how, yeah, watching people do something that they're completely passionate about would really, it would be so inspiring. And like you, I loved what you said about you feel those things with them. I can see how that would be because even watching them on my TV, I feel like I feel those things too. And that's the really cool thing about watching a show like So You Think You Can Dance. You get so deeply invested in these people's stories and in their hard work and in what they're trying to accomplish that it really does become a very personal thing, watching them improve and succeed and even when they do fail. Yeah, I mean, for me... When I first started the show, I'd always liked dance and I'd always loved it. And we'd go and see the Nutcracker at Christmas or I or I did ballet when I was a little girl. N- never anything, um, but just did ballet lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only by doing the show that I realised what an amazing art form it was. Because sometimes, and it's not every routine on every show, it's like every so often the right choreographer comes together with the right dancers, right music, lighting, hair, makeup, costume, and the whole team works together and the idea and something truly, truly magical happens in a minute and a half. Uh And it makes me look, I talk about it and I get it. You see the chills on my arms. Yes. And it makes me get chills. Mm-hmm. And that's what any great piece of art should be able to do. It should be able to physically move you. A great piece of art should be able to physically move you. And that's what some of our choreographers and dancers were able to do. And I would go onto the stage afterwards and I would clatter up the stairs in my high heels, trying not to fall. Mm-hmm. And I would look out and I'd have my microphone, I'd look out to the audience and I would see people like crying and people standing up. And it, it became this universal experience. And wh- whatever your story was, you, you brought some of your story to it. But essentially, it's a piece of art that has this vortex in it where you bring everything to it. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, it moves you. Yes. And we had, we had amazing, you know, Mia Michaels, the sunflower routine about lost love that, that became friendship but lost love for somebody else um Travis Wall the gun routine where they took their shirts off and it's on the back of their vest Mm -hmm. um I mean there are so many of them just just uh Wade Robson Ramalama you know where it was like they they came down the stairs and they were like ghouls and ghosts but it was like it was incredible and it doesn't matter what the subject matter is it's just these big big moments that you can talk to people about the show and they know exactly the moment you're talking about yeah because in some way shape or form it's touched them too and that's the really and who'd have thought that could be on fox prime time on fox yeah it really is a beautiful show bringing i feel like every time i watch that i'm inspired to go do my chosen form of art which is play the piano even though it's totally different yeah. Because it's it inspires the need to create and the need to be creative and the need to express in some form. So when I watch performances like that, it inspires me to think I need to go sit at the piano and play something, you know. 
do your kids play piano too? Have you taught your kids how to do it? <sighs> Not yet. I'm afraid of being their piano teacher because I already have to be their distance learning coach which is a struggle. So Mm -hmm. I keep going back and forth about that. I bought the books during quarantine and I thought about teaching, especially my oldest, um, because we can't have a piano teacher right now, really. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just difficult to have someone close enough contact to teach them how to play. Mm -hmm. You can't really Mm -hmm. do a Zoom piano lesson. Maybe you could, Mm -hmm. but so I know that there's a possibility there, but I just haven't, I don't know, maybe it will go really well, but I'm worried about her looking at me going, I don't have to listen to you. You're my mom. You know, <gasps> you could do it. Are you kidding me? You know how you should do it. You should do um, duets. Oh, that's a good You know idea. how you could do the, so you could sit at the piano, the two of you, because then mm-hmm. even if she's doing something that's very simple, mm-hmm. it will sound beautiful because you can, t- if you did a forehand, if you did a duet, it, yes. I, I think you'd be able to do it. Okay. I think you'd be amazing. I think, and I think you'd actually love it. Mm-hmm. And I think even if she was just doing, you know, a basic arpeggio or, or just a really simple melody, I, I think, I think she'd love it because it sounds so great. If you've got yes. four hands playing, I yes. go for it. Try okay. it. Try it. Okay. I'm going to try it. I love okay, it. Good. I'm taking the challenge on. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to ask you about the book says this. I loved this one line when I read. I I had the privilege and the gift of being able to read this book before it even comes mm-hmm. out. And it said, uh, there's a line that says, when you discover the things you love, you'll find true joy. So how have you encouraged your boys to try new things or find what they love and what they're good at to find that joy in their life? I think a lot of it stems from remembering you when you're a child mm-hmm. I think the more you can remember when you're a child and what mm-hmm. what made you joyful because when we're kids we love like I remember one of my greatest memories was going bodyboarding in the ocean and I just remember it feeling slightly dangerous and a bit intimidating right because the ocean is can be scary yes but you didn't know whether the wave was going to kind of like throw you over and tip you to the bottom or race you into the shore, squealing with the light, right? Yes. And so I think I remember staying in the ocean until my feet turned blue. Like I loved it so much. <laughs> so, so I think the more we can remember our six-year-old selves, the, the mm-hmm. easier it is to project kind of for them you know and kind of try and direct them and point them in the right direction there's there's actually a little bit in the book where um there's a there's a rocket and it says imagination will take you to the most amazing places if you want to you can even fly Mm -hmm. and when Rosie who did the illustrations I, I didn't know how writing a book worked so Random House said to me, they said, okay, right, we've got we've got the copy. We love it. Now we're going to hand it over to the illustrator. And I was like, well, can I talk to her? Can I, like, and they said, no, 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 we don't do that in this process. How this works is, and they, they showed me her work, so I knew she was amazing. Mm-hmm. But she, they said, no, no, we don't do that. So what we do is we give her your prose, and then Rosie interprets them however she thinks and then we come back together 
and then we talk and then we but but you have to let her this is her bit of the puzzle and you have to let Rick I was terrified I was a yeah. bit like oh, giving up that control of knowing what it would look like it's very and it's very personal to me right this totally. book so I was like I was like oh I don't know anyway I so I did and then she sent me through on email the first sketches the first black and white sketches of the book and I, I just remember opening my computer in my kitchen and I cried because they were so, it was so beautiful and I loved them mm-hmm. so much. Uh, but then I said to her, okay, there's this one bit where you've got a um, rocket. I said, my boys love, they love dinosaurs, animals, rockets. Those are their things. Milo yeah. could actually count back down from 10 before he could count up because he was used to doing like the space shuttle launches. Yes. So um, I said, and they do this thing where they run around the house and they go, jets, <laughs> and, uh, which is much easier when I'm doing it to you because you can see yes. exactly what I'm doing. But they throw their arms out behind themselves and shout, jets. And when they throw their arms, they run faster. It's like when the rocket boosters come off a rocket. Yes. And I said to Rosie, could you, could you do the koalas and could you make one the little brother and one the big brother and them doing jets? And she said, I'd love to, but I haven't got I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. So could you send me, could you send me a photo or do something? Yeah. So I took a video of them doing it. And so she's made them into the koalas. And James is like, and that's James, and that's Lilo. He calls him Lilo. He can't really say Milo yet. So he says, so cute. That's, that's Lilo and James. And they're in the rocket. And Jeff. And he shouts it, Jeff. And that's what he does. So it's so fun to know that background. It's, it's lovely. It's so nice. And when they go through it, they and, and then sometimes Milo kind of like he'll read through and then he'll forget that I'd written it and it will get to the back cover, you know, the the dust cover of the yes. with the picture. And he's like, Mom, what are you doing in that? I'm writing the book. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. But he's kind of forgotten it. He remembers at the beginning, then he's gone through and then he's gone. Totally. That's so funny. I have that experience with my kids sometimes too. I'll be editing something on my blog and they'll be like, mom, is that a picture of you on the internet? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of funny. They're like, wait, what? You know, because we try to keep things very innocent here. Just, you know, not really focus on that, but just keep life normal and so it is funny when they see do your kids see you on tv and go what is happening they do sometimes like Milo has been to the studio with me a couple of times Mm -hmm. and just loves it but that's because everybody makes a fuss of him and he gets the mic and he sings George Ezra and he's literally like I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot and the camera crane will come down and record him and he's like watching the screen so he loves it but um they haven't got a grip of it properly yet I think um you know my husband and I feel exactly the same way that you guys do too it's you know you want to protect them from it as much as possible until they're able to make their own decisions once they make their I'm I'm fine with that but I just I don't really want to you know, project onto them if if that's not something they want, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I have one more motherhood question that I'm dying yes. to ask you. If you yes. could go back and tell yourself something before you became a mother, do you, is there any advice you would have given yourself before, you know, before your life completely changed becoming a mom? Uh, yeah, I would just say, just be a little bit kinder on yourself. I know you're yeah. trying to do your best, but just be a little, like, it's okay. You got it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like you, you've got it. They're, they're, they're good. They're really good. Don't stress. Don't, because I think so often, and I think it's because we're trying to do a really good job, right? We, we, yes. We're trying to do the very best that we can. And sometimes you get so hooked up in do, trying to do your very best that you're really not in the moment. And actually sometimes the moment is just, the you know, my my little boy loves a poo chat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and and we sit and we have a we have a poo chat, and yeah. we could I could be there for twenty five minutes, <laughs> just having a chat. That's that's what we do. That's and so you know funny. what? It's not it's not world changing, and it's and it's not going to be these you know shooting star moments in his life. But I don't know. He he like like. It, I think just go, go easy. Yeah. I love that. Be kind to yourself. And um, yeah, I think we've got this, you know, we've got this. Every mother needs to hear that. So I have one last question for you that I ask everyone on this show. And that is if there's one message that the person, probably a mom is listening to this episode that she remembers, what do you want that one message to be? Oh, exactly what I just said you've got this be kind to yourself take care of yourself because I feel like so often we are always the carers we always do that we will always juggle we will always make things happen we will spread ourselves too thin mm-hmm. we will try and make things work we will placate we will cajole we will stop fights we will all of those things as women that's naturally I think within us that's what we try and do with a with the homemakers the peacemakers the it's our maternal instinct um and it's such a lot to take on and I think that if we spread ourselves too thinly you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish so it's about taking a second breathing for a second and whether that's meditation or prayer or yoga or whatever whatever is your thing that just gives you that moment where you take a breath and there's a moment of stillness and you consider what you've got to get done and what you need to do and just feel it and be in it that's what we need to do that's beautiful advice. I wish someone would have told me that before I before yeah. I started out all this motherhood. I need um, to re-listen to this every once in a while because sometimes yes. it's not that easy to do, <laughs> to do the things that you think, you know, I yeah. it, I find it difficult too. Like if I could turn this into a post-it note and have it on my fridge, I would. In fact, yes. I might. I might write yes. myself a post-it. <laughs> I love that. I I need to remind myself of these things too all the time. I tell you what, though, you've, you've got the tidiest closet I've ever seen. Oh, well, For a mom of four you. people, it's like, so, I mean, it's so tidy. You're so My nice. Thank you. 
no, my closet does not look like that. Well, you can't see the floor, so (laughs) (laughs) there's that. But anyway, it has just been so delightful for me to talk to you today and hear your stories and hear your wisdom. And I just really do feel like you're a real friend. And I felt like that even before today's chat, but even more now. So where can people find you? Where can they buy the new book? Tell me all of those things. I think uh, Amazon bookstores, anywhere they go. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Everywhere. Kind of everywhere. Just the norm, really. Okay. Just the norm. Or you can can find me in your local coffee shop. And if I turn around, I'll probably have a chat with you there too. (laughs) I love that. That's just, I hope someday that we get to cross paths in real life. That would be such a treat for me. It would so, be lovely. Please, can you do that? Play duets with your, is it your girl who's your oldest? Yes, we have three girls and then a little, our three-month-old is a little boy. So <gasps> you got you were a boy talking, on, the, on number four. Yes. So when you were talking about the poop chats, that was so funny because I'm like, my girls like their privacy. They don't want anyone in the bathroom. They're so funny about that. But a little boy is going to be all kinds of new experiences for us. Oh, he loves a poop chat. He likes he likes me to <laughs> kneel down by him. He puts his feet on top of my on top of my thighs. And he's like, Mom, come on, let's just have a poo chat. No, like, okay, what do you want to talk about? Let's just have a chat. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Oh my goodness. You've got it to come. In between yeah. playing duets. Yes. Yes. And I will talk about multitasking. <laughs> I know, seriously. I will work on the duet and when it happens, I will put a little Thank Instagram. You. Yeah, I'll put a story up and I'll tag you so you can see it. So please do. I I think I think we should go for that. I'm honestly do. I think so too. Well, I we will link to your book and your Instagram and Twitter and everything in the show notes. And thank you again so much, Kat, for your time today. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.